Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, January 5th. Have you fallen behind on listening in to the Daily Audio Torah because the rush and the busyness of life is pressing in on you from every side? We all get busy, and the enemy wants nothing more than for us to get distracted and neglect spending time with Yeshua in prayer and in His Word and in worship. Can I share a secret with you that might help? It is about establishing a secret place. Yeshua reveals this secret to us when he said in Matthew 6, 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let me break that down for you. First, we go into our room. The King James says, Go into your closet. It can literally be a closet that you convert into your own secret place. It can be a corner in your bath bedroom with a special chair and a table where you sit. Next, we shut the door. We shut the door to distractions. We shut the door to tweets and texts and phone calls, TV and other media. We are shutting the door to the world, even if only for 20 minutes. Next, we spend time with Yeshua. It's like date night with Him. He loves it when we take special time and a special place to meet with Him. He is the lover of our soul. And in that time and place, you can pour out your heart and soul to Him in prayer. I like to write down my prayers in a journal, and then, when I am done pouring it all out, I pause. I listen. I wait upon the Lord. I wait to hear His still, small, quiet voice speaking to me. And then, I write down what I hear. You can light a candle and put on some worship music and just worship Him. You can listen to and read the Word of God. The Word of God is living and powerful and is like a two-edged sword cutting between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. Do you have a secret place where you can meet with your Master? If not, why not create a special place where you can spend time with Him? And then, go to meet with Him often. And I encourage you to listen to Daily Audio Tour each day. The plumb line of truth will keep you on track and on target. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayeki, and it means, And He Lived. Genesis 49 19-26 Gad will be attacked by marauding bands, but he will attack them when they retreat. 
Asher will dine on rich foods and produce food fit for kings. Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is the foal of a wild donkey, the foal of a wild donkey at a spring, one of the wild donkeys on the ridge. Archers attacked him savagely. They shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained taut, and his arms were strengthened by the hands of the Mighty One of Jacob, by the shepherd, the Rock of Israel. May the God of your father help you. May the Almighty bless you with the blessings of the heavens above and the blessings of the watery depths below and the blessings of the breasts and womb. May the blessings of your father surpass the blessings of the ancient mountains, reaching to the heights of the eternal hills. May these blessings rest on the head of Joseph, who is a prince among his brothers. Matthew 5, 1-26 One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Yeshua went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you, because you are my followers. Be happy about it, be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them 
will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Psalm 5, 1-12 O Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my requests to you and wait expectantly. O God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence, for you hate all who do evil. You will destroy those who tell lies. The Lord detests murderers and deceivers. Because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple with deepest awe. Lead me in the right path, O Lord, or my enemies will conquer me. Make your way plain for me to follow. My enemies cannot speak a truthful word. Their deepest desire is to destroy others. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with flattery. O God, declare them guilty. Let them be caught in their own traps. Drive them away because of their many sins, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord, you surround them with your shield of love. Proverbs 1, 24-28 I, wisdom, called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me. I want to speak to you today from Matthew chapter 5, and this is the Sermon on the Mount. 
This is probably one of my most favorite passages in the entire Bible. This is basically the constitution of the kingdom that Yeshua is laying out for us. And he's taking things to a much deeper level. So, remember there are four levels of study in the Word of God. The first level, Peshat, is looking at the surface. What does the verse literally say? And what does the verse literally mean? That's looking on the surface. Next, we have drash. The drash level is looking at connections. So it's connecting perhaps a group of verses in the chapter to another group of verses, two or three verses, uh, or just one verse connected to another verse somewhere else. So it could be a verse from the Old Testament connected to the New Testament, or we are looking for connections. Next, we have remez. And remez is a hint. So, for example, when we look at Joseph and his life in in Genesis, Joseph is a shadow picture pointing us to Yeshua. And that many of the things that happened in Joseph's life also happened in Yeshua's life. So Joseph is a shadow pointing us to Yeshua. So we look for shadow pictures for the hint. It's a hint. Of something deeper. And finally, we have the level called Sod. Sod is the very heart of the message. It's digging deeper to the heart of the message. So Yeshua is taking some principles here in this chapter, and he's taking them to the Sod level. So he begins with some Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Well, he begins actually in verse 3 with, God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That's fundamental. When we begin our journey in the very beginning with Yeshua, In other words, when you first got saved, often it's because we come to him very needy and very broken and recognizing that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. I know that that's true in my own life. Um, I I needed a Savior. My life was trashed. And I'll just share that story right here, right now, how that happened. Um, I was married, I had two children, my husband was a veterinarian, and on the surface it looked like I had everything that the world had to offer, but I was miserable. Why was I miserable? Our marriage was in a shambles, and I felt like my husband was married to the business, and he never had any time for me or for the children. And so I worked by his side in the veterinary office, and it was all focused on work. And we didn't have much playtime or just relationship time. It was just work, work, work all the time. And finally, the day came when my ex-husband said to me, "Um, uh, I'm going to divorce you, and on Monday morning, I'm going down to the county, and I'm going to go file the divorce papers. And it was Russian roulette. I never knew if the gun was loaded. I never knew if it was an empty threat or if he really meant it. 
and I was just in torment, and I just didn't want to face Monday morning. So along the way, there were signposts. People had been brought into my life who had shared the gospel with me. So the seed had been planted, yet I had not responded to it. But I was ready at that point. So Sunday afternoon, I packed up the car, I packed up the kids, and I ran away. I got, I went on a road trip, and I headed south to California to go stay with my parents. And on that journey in the car, that is when I prayed the prayer out of total brokenness. And I basically prayed something like this, Jesus, I have driven the car of my life over a cliff, and it's at the bottom of the canyon, broken. And I cannot go on living like this. I need you. I need you to take over my life, and I want you to be the driver, and I will be the passenger. Please come into my heart, come into my life, and take over. And that was my prayer. And that began my faith journey. That's when I asked Yeshua to come in, and I was born again. And the Holy Spirit came to dwell and live within me. And I believe we all need to test and see, are we still in the faith? Whether you've been walking this walk for a year, or five years, or 30 years. There are times when we can drift away. When we haven't spent that time with him in relationship, with listening to him, with praying to him, with seeking him, we just kind of go into pilot mode. So we need to test and see if we are in the faith. So that comes back to verse 3 of Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. A person who's arrogant and prideful and walking in the flesh and walking in the world and has everything they could ever want, they have no need for God. But it's when we're broken and we're poor in spirit, when we've been humbled, that's when we cry out to God and seek Him with everything we've got. Okay, Um, let me go on in this passage. And this is where Yeshua goes into the sowed level. In verse 17, he says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses, the Torah. He did not come to abolish the Torah or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappears, not even the smallest detail of God's law or his Torah will disappear until its purpose is achieved. What is its purpose? The purpose of the law and the Torah is to lead us to Christ. When we read the scriptures, if we're not saved, if we don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we read it and we recognize and realize, I'm a sinner. I've lied. I've cheated. I've been bitter, I've had unforgiveness, I've had a control spirit, a fear spirit, I I have a lot of junk inside of me. I'm looking in the mirror and I see dirt on my face. I don't like what I see. The Word of God shows us our sin and reveals to us our sin. 
Verse 19, so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, those who say that the law, the Torah, has been done away with, that's absolutely a lie from the pit of hell. It has not been done away with. It still has a purpose. It is our tutor. It is our teacher to lead us to Christ. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them to will be called great in the kingdom. But I warn you, verse 20, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute. It sounds like he's setting the bar way too high. How can I ever be more righteous than the Pharisees and the teachers of the law? Um, what is he saying here? He explains in the next verse, verse 21. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. That's right out of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder. So he's referring to the ten, one of the Ten Commandments, verse 22. But here's where he unpacks it and takes it to the sowed level. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Yeshua is interested not just on outward obedience to the law, the Torah, the Ten Commandments. He is looking at the heart. He's saying, okay, if you have anger and hatred in your heart towards someone, even though you have not acted on it, that is just as much a sin. And so he wants to get to the heart. He wants to change our heart. So it's not just outward obedience in the flesh, but that there's an inner change in the heart. He wants to take out the heart of stone that we all begin with in life and give us a heart transplant, give us a heart of flesh where he can then begin to write the word of God upon our heart. So, this is the work that he desires to do. He goes on in verse 23 to say, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. That takes humility. If you think about it, is do you have a do not contact list? A list of people that you won't have any further contact with. Maybe it's an ex-husband, an ex-wife, an, uh, a difficult boss that you used to work for, a difficult neighbor or co-worker. Maybe a son or a daughter that you're estranged from. And you know that they're angry with you. Maybe you don't have an issue or an ought with them, but you know they are very angry with you. What this verse is saying to do is to go and be reconciled to them. Pick up the phone and give them a call. Go visit them. But begin in prayer. Start with prayer. Pray for that person. Pray God's blessings upon that person. In your own heart, make sure 
that your own spirit is right. If you have any ought or offense or unforgiveness, bring that to the Lord in prayer and ask him, repent, repent of any unforgiveness or offenses that you've been holding against that person. And once your own heart and spirit are right and you've begun to pray for the other person, it's pretty hard to stay mad at someone that you're praying for. Once you've done that work in prayer, then reach out to that person and try to do everything you can to be reconciled. Now, I know sometimes that's impossible. If the other person continues to walk in bitterness and unforgiveness, there's not a lot you can do. But at least you've taken the high road and you've done what you can to make things right. So you see, let me wrap it up this way. The Ten Commandments originally given in Exodus were written on two tablets of stone. When Moses came down from the mountain, he found the people basically committing adultery. They were being unfaithful in their marriage covenant with the Lord, and they were worshiping another god, this golden calf. And idolatry, in God's eyes, is adultery. And the Ten Commandments, the fact that they were written upon two stone tablets, it was external. It was on the outside. And the stone tablets are a remez hint showing us the condition of their hearts. Their hearts were stone. And this is why they weren't able to love God the way he wanted them to. So then in Ezekiel, it talks about how when you repent and when you truly seek the Lord and pray and ask him to come in by the Holy Spirit, What he does is he gives you a heart transplant. He takes out the heart of stone and he gives you a heart of flesh. And so now the Ten Commandments, his word is no longer external, it's internal. He begins to write the word of God upon your heart by the Holy Spirit. So then we can begin to follow his ways and and keep his commandments by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So, this is kind of back to basics. I read Matthew chapter 5 when I'm, when I've been, um, I, I get too much of the world influencing me. I go back to Matthew chapter 5 because it's the basics. It's the plumb line. It's the constitution of the kingdom. And we begin with, I come to you poor in spirit, not arrogant, not proud, not full of head knowledge, but I come to you poor in spirit. I need you. I need you. I rededicate my life to you, Yeshua. I cannot make life work without you. How I desperately, desperately need you. And it's it's our light to guide us along the way on this journey called life. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the constitution of your kingdom. We thank you, Yeshua, that you walk with us in this journey, that we follow behind you and you lead the way. You show us how to walk. And we cannot do it by ourselves. We absolutely need you, Yeshua. We need your indwelling Holy Spirit 
to help us to navigate life. And so we love you. We thank you for this chapter in Matthew that gives us really great signposts of what it looks like to walk in your kingdom and to walk in your ways. We thank you for this passage, Lord, that you tell us that those who are pure will see God and that you will bless those who work for peace and they will be called the children of God and that you will bless those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And that you will bless those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And you will bless those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Help us, Abba, to be the light of the world, with Yeshua's light shining inside of us. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Yeshua, for showing us the way that the way to the Father is through the Son, that Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through the Son. Father, may we always stay connected to the head, who is Yeshua. We are the body, and there are different members to the body. There's hands, there's feet, there's the heart, But Yeshua is the head. May we always stay connected to Yeshua, who is the head of the body. How we love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>